So. So. Um, All right. Okay. So enough talking about the innocence, <laughs> yes, Kyle. Yes. Let's tease um, that. That discussion that you people will never get to hear. Never. It's lost to the wind. Lost to the swamp. Um, okay. So Kyle. Like, yes. Who? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm like. So Kyle. I'm who Kyle. Are you? Uh, go My on, God, go I am Kyle. One more time. One more time. Introduce yes, yourself. Yes. Yes. Okay. 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 I'm Kyle. And I'm Benjamin. Leave all of that in. And this is Edicts on Edicts. A podcast about Emily Dickinson, but now, now she, she fucks. fucks. And she does, as we have seen. Yes. My goodness. Um, not last episode, though. No. Um, remarkably chaste now. No. So in this podcast, we yes. are watching the Apple Plus TV show Dickinson. Yes. And we are bringing to it all of our experts, in quotation marks, comma, in quotation marks, expert knowledge mm-hmm. of... Emily Dickinson, yes, um, and how much we love question mark her poetry. Mm, um, that is starting to change. That is starting to change. Yes. We began this show not really liking Emily Dickinson's there work was so one. much, yeah, and we have slowly grown mm. to appreciate yes. some of her other work. Yes, uh, I think. But the show remains fair game. The show remains fair game because we're having a really hard time. <laughs> Um, yeah. I think we're being relatively fair. Anyway, I think so. We're not being cruel. No, no. no I think we're that. giving it a fair shot. Yes. And it's just falling short <laughs> like that middle child you could never really love. <laughs> Is that Lavinia? Is Lavinia the middle child? No, she's the youngest. She's the youngest, Oh, right? my God. Emily's the middle child. <laughs> Emily is the middle oh, child. No. <laughs> yes. And as you would say, that tracks. Yeah. Her um, dad gives her... Tons of attention. She's That's fine. True. She is kind of her father's favorite. Yeah. No one cares about Lavinia. I, know, I care cool. about Lavinia. I, want Lavinia. I identify too much with Lavinia. I'm I feel like, like I gotta get married. Especially soon. because read again, like looking at some of the like um, biographical stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like the real life Lavinia was such a like kind and positive person, oh, God. and that she often really supported Emily. And in this show, she's getting such a hard time, and I feel like constantly it's shat such a on. Shame because <laughs> she was probably like the saint who, because like when Emily's living in a room by herself for the whole of her second yeah. half of her life, who's yeah. cooking for her and who's cleaning her clothes and who? She is the fucking Eliza Hamilton of Emily Dickinson's life, yeah. just like keeping her alive and then publishing her stuff after the fact to like make her life relevant to people nowadays. Yep. Yeah. Um, Lavinia is the unsung hero Definitely. of everything. Definitely. Anyway. <laughs> I'm totally with that. Oh, Poor God. Lavinia. Uh, to my younger brother, if you are listening, I apologize for all the times that I was Emily Dickinson and you were Lavinia. Mm, yeah. Yes. Not that I am in any way particularly like Emily Dickinson, just that sometimes when you're the slightly older sibling, yeah. it's easy to kind of be like pushing Pushing the younger one away. Maybe that is why I relate to Lavinia. To my older brother, if you're listening to this, why? <laughs> why? Why? Why would you? <laughs> Get back to your life. I know. <laughs> um, All right. Last episode was called Alone I Cannot Be. It was yes. episode four. And yes. it was about Emily's attempt to rescue a tree. Yes. Uh, by With visiting... The use of one Henry David Thoreau. Which... Noted hipster fuck. Emphasis on fuck. Yeah, it wasn't very good. No. What's this episode? Episode five. Episode five is I am afraid to own a body. What's the description? The description is Emily confronts tough issues at a meeting of the local Shakespeare club. Now this one sounds promising. Yes. What do you think we're going to see in this episode? I'm trying to think of, I mean, because there's so many ways that you could use the work of Shakespeare to like reflect on what Emily is going through and her life and her struggles of like, say, writing letters to a lover that aren't being responded to. Mm. That feels very Shakespearean. There's yeah. gender fuckery that you could play around with. There's women falling in love with women in Shakespeare plays. Yeah. There's elements of potential tragedy. There's the comedy of Shakespeare. I wonder what they're going to do. I think that mm. there's so much room, yes. as you say, within Shakespeare. I mean, um, I really enjoy Shakespeare. I yes. get annoyed because I'm an English teacher and more and more and more I hear other English teachers saying, why do we even teach Shakespeare? Like, the kids don't like it. There's no point to it. And I always want to slap them and be like, mm-hmm. everything. He's great. He's great. Like, if you 
There's a reason. There's a show in the UK, a radio show called Desert Island Discs. Do you know it? No. It's so famous. It's a really popular radio show in the UK uh, where they get a celebrity every week. Yeah. And they say to the celebrity, if you were on a desert island, mm-hmm. what eight tracks of music would you oh, God. have with you? And then it's like, like eight songs. Eight songs, yeah. And they have to choose eight songs and they have to choose a song for every significant thing in their mm. life. And it's like a biographical right. interview. Okay. Um, but the one thing you, they always say in that is it's like the two books, you can have one book for free mm-hmm. and then there are two books you get. You can have one book you choose and then there are two books you get like automatically on the island. Right. And they are the King James Bible. Of course. And Shakespeare. Shakespeare. All of yeah. Shakespeare, the complete yeah, yeah, works yeah. of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. And it makes such sense because yeah. as an English teacher, I'm always like, well, Shakespeare really did come at a time when the English language was forming itself yep. and kind of becoming mm-hmm. a more cohesive whole. Mm-hmm. And then he produced like some excellent plays yeah. that had great stories. For sure. And good poetry in them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things we say now still come from Yeah, from him. him. The so, word bedroom. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for that. So, like, there's so much stuff. And yeah. so whenever I hear an English teacher be like, we shouldn't have to teach Shakespeare, I want to, like, slap them. Slap them, yeah. Have you seen the show Slings and Arrows? No, what's that? Oh, my God. Okay. It's a Canadian TV show. Okay. About a Shakespeare company. Mm. And so each season is about them putting on a play. Uh, so like the first one is Hamlet, the second one is Macbeth, and the last one is King Lear. Oh my gosh. It is maybe one of my favorite TV shows, no, definitely one of my favorite TV shows ever. Is it's, it a comedy or? It's a mix. So right. it's kind of like, it'll have, it's, it's sort of like Dickinson in a way, where it'll be like hijinks because it has to. But like, I think because the people who are making the show are actually like, in a Shakespeare company themselves. Mm. So they're quite good at threading the needle of like network TV comedy, but also like using the themes and like knowing those plays so well that they can like bring them into the story in like a really organic way. Mm. Because even like the way that season one is Hamlet, Macbeth and King Lear, like those are the three seasons of the show. Like they did it on purpose. So it's, young man, middle-aged man, old man. Right. Like, it's done intentionally. And, like... And that's what I mean. Like, you can yeah. get so much yeah. intelligent stuff yes. out of Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, maybe we should watch that. I mean, I'm thinking now and... season two will be Edicts on Shakes. Edicts on <laughs> Shakes. We should, I'm, I'm down for that. <laughs> I can do that. While we wait for season two of Dickinson's right, come out... Right, right, right. We should, we should... The interim will be me watching Slings and Arrows again and just being like, it's so good. <laughs> okay. And this that time, you can watch the episodes before. That's true. And, I'll come and to I will talk about the plays. Oh yeah. my God. Okay, moving um, on. Yeah, so in, I think there's a lot of room for stuff here in yes. the Shakespeare oh episode. Um, to link it to real life, Emily Dickinson. Yes. In her letters, she did indeed at one point say, if you have Shakespeare, what else do you need? She's right. And she loved to read Shakespeare and she would quote Shakespeare in her letters mm. when she could. Um, and she, I think, I don't know whether there's any Shakespearean references in her poetry. Mm. I, I'm not, I don't, haven't read it enough to know. Right, yeah. Um, if someone out there is aware of any Shakespeare links in her poetry, <laughs> please email us. Please. At edicts on edicts yes. at gmail.com. I guess I could like Google it, but. Uh. I guess we could, but. No, we be, want to I, source the people. We've got to, yeah, we've got to get some real life knowledge. Yeah. Not just reap things off of Ecosia. <laughs> um, so. Uh, yes. This episode. Yes. Let's say, what do you think you're going to see? Um, so, I assume there will be a lot of bored school children who don't want to do Shakespeare. Right. But then someone comes around to it in the end and they're like, wait, this guy's not bad at all. <laughs> Shakespeare is just another way to rap, but in 19th century upstate Massachusetts. Um, Anything yes. else? Uh, I'm trying to think of what I would add to my like an- anachronism. Yeah, anachronism bingo. Yeah, my anachronism bingo is going to include, um, let's see, Shakespeare. Can I give you a hint about something in the... Oh, thank God. I'll give you a hint. Um, The play that they put on... Oh, this is going to be everything. Is it A Midsummer Night's Dream? It's not. Oh, good, because I was looking at the picture and was nervous. It's not. It's Othello. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, well, then you get to deal with the whole concept of, like, 
Iago, Othello, and the Desdemona love triangle with the Sue, Austin, Emily love triangle. Ooh, and like, interesting. Yeah. That's a really interesting... So you think that the love triangle in Othello will be paralleled by the love triangle Potentially, in because so much of that love triangle is about mistrust and miscommunication. Right. And like, right now, why the fuck would Austin trust Sue? And they're all separated, so it's going to involve a lot of miscommunication. So that's my guess, is it will involve the parallels of that love triangle and the concept of, like, betrayal and, like, mistrust. Fascinating. Mm. I wonder whether you put it on the head. We'll have to see. Um, Is this, like, the saltwater taffy thing? Did uh, I get it? Maybe. I I have to say, I didn't have that thought when I was watching this episode. Mm. Um, Exactly. Mm. But you'll see. Okay. Um, Okay, so are we ready? Uh, Wait, I want to throw something into the anachronism bingo thing. Okay. Uh, Knowing that it's that... What will the tissue be? Will the, will the kitty pillow show up again? Will the kitty pillow? <laughs> you know, I actually kind of want to see the kitty pillow more than I want to see the kitty. Like the actual cats, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again, Dickinson Art Department. I mean, I would love it if in a later episode there's just like a scene of Lavinia like <laughs> pulling it out from under her petticoats oh, and it's no. all like bloody yeah, and she's just like, like, oh. Oh no, I gotta knit another, or like sew another one. <laughs> the idea that both she and Emily have been using it and not knowing. <laughs> oh no. No. I feel like that's a Lavinia thing, though. She would. She oh would. Oh, God. She's like, I sewed this to be a tampon. <laughs> and we are back. Okay, so that was episode five of... Dickinson. Yeah, I'm afraid to own a body. Okay. And we have to say, this was yeah. maybe the most difficult to digest episode so far, hmm. with a lot of stuff in it to a think lot about. Of stuff. Um, I think to go back to my prediction. Yes. Of how Othello would be related to the show. Yeah. I did not think the show would have the audacity. Yeah. To do what it did. I know, right? And that might be why I did not even consider the race element. Yeah, I was really, I found it really interesting when you were making your predictions and you went to the, yeah, you went to the love triangle thing right. in Othello more, right. which shows a deeper level of thought. Because when I saw it, I instantly was like, oh, Othello's black, there's going to be like a black character and they're going to address race. <sighs> and maybe that's because in a way, like you going to the love triangle is more impressive because you were like, oh, knowledge of the play. Like the interactions between the characters, whereas I was immediately like Othello, right, blackness, but I th- Shakespeare, and jumped to like slave trade, and then I think it was also me just assuming um, sitcom. What do they do? They always just sort of layer in like the base element of the play that everybody knows, mm. and I assumed that it would be the love triangle element because the show has leaned pretty heavily on that, mm. and not Othello is black as the element to lean on because mm. I think to engage with race is I think yeah this episode heavily engaged with race and it's not the first time because I think in the first episode mm-hmm. there was a lot of aspects of black culture that were right yes. front. and yes. one of the things before we watched this episode one of the things I was thinking about the other episodes is that in the first episode there's such a strong like referencing and strong strain of black culture mm. used throughout Mm-hmm. And yet in episode two, three, and four, that right. seemed to like drop off the yes. radar and they kind of stopped doing that. Right. And then in this episode, they come back to it, but in a very different way. Right. And the problem with this episode seems to be that the intentions of of the producers and, and, of, and of the writer, Elena Smith, because <laughs> you chastised me last time, so I'm yes. always going to get her name every episode now. Oops. Um, really are not clear. Right. Um, or the way they're trying to talk about it is potentially problematic. Mm, um, and it's, it's not clear who we're supposed to be, which characters we're supposed to... I guess it requires deeper thought. Identify with, yeah. yeah. Like, well, because last time you had mentioned that the, the, the structure of an episode is sort of, Emily takes this position, she goes through, learns a lesson, someone knocks her off her high horse and she is sort of humbled for a moment. And so like this followed that same format very Mm. clearly. Yeah. And like, I think there are 
elements in that calling out of her that are interesting. Yeah, definitely. But, but yeah, <laughs> but... But she's also a victim in this episode of a yes, different kind exactly. of... I mean, like, let, let's start at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, what did you think was the, like, overall... I mean, like, the episode is called... I am afraid to, I'm own, afraid a body. to own a body. And I think the theme of ownership over people right, right. is the theme of the episode, right? Yes, I think how systems and people can be convinced that they are uh, capable of owning someone. Yeah. Sure, let's and say. I think we're given three mm-hmm. strong examples in the episode of that. Um, yeah. One is the the most the most obvious and surface one is the whole racial element of mm-hmm. slavery mm-hmm. and and the episode opens with the debate between um austin and and uh, george. george yeah about slavery where right. where austin is saying oh it's abhorrent and bad mm-hmm. and george is saying yeah it's bad but we shouldn't outlaw it because it's right. the way people live and we should like let them and that kind of goes dare i say it to the gun argument that goes through america at the moment which is that some people may not be so keen on guns, but say, well, we shouldn't restrict people's freedom to choose to sure. own a gun. Yeah. Uh, which was the same argument people made for slavery at the time, right? Right. Like, I mean, it's any sort of established system. Yeah. Like, why would we change it? It's not that bad. Yeah. Well, right. it's not just that it's not that bad. It's like, yeah, I don't agree with it, but I don't want to mm. take away other people's freedom to do it. Sure. Um, so that's the first one, which is the whole slavery issue. Mm. And then the character of Henry, the, the black servant in the household correct yes because he's not he's, a slave but he right. is working for, for the them. dickinsons for the dickinsons yeah is yeah i guess so and they had servants in real we life have they had seen, servants. yeah uh, i don't know whether they did in real life have any black servants but they did right. have servants in the household have um, we seen him before because we have seen we have seen him before right yes he was in episode in, three he loaded right. When Mr. and Mrs. Dixon left for Boston, yes. he loaded all he the loaded the suitcases he loaded and the was the one, and yeah. he drove the carriage. Yes. So like he is a household right. handyman yes. servant, whatever. Yes. Um, so there's that element of like the racial element of slavery. Then right. the second element of ownership was the wedding or the, the concept wedding. of marriage concept as an institution. Marriage, yeah. yeah, and what it meant at the time. Yeah, sure. And. And George right. asking Mr. Dickinson, can I marry right. Emily? Right. And then whether or not, you know, how that was taken by everyone in the household, because mm-hmm. everyone in the household had a different... Had a stake involved in that. Yeah. And yeah. A different approach to it. Right. And then I think the last one... Is whatever the fuck is happening with Sue. Yeah, because that was <laughs> like, creepy as hell. Yeah, I, I was like, that. they just like, I mean, it's dodgy when he... Right. Oh, we'll get to it, but it's, it's dodgy... And then at right. the end, when it kind of you think, oh Sue, like what's going on with with you, you know? Right. Um, oh Sue, what's going on with you? <laughs> we should have, we like, should have a new a segment. segment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh Sue, what's going on with you? It's <laughs> just her being like, my family's I dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm penniless. Sue, She's like people still haven't just, understood. <laughs> Sue remains penniless and an orphan. <laughs> so you're not over this yet. <laughs> it's been four episodes. Like, God, <laughs> just move on. <laughs> Poor Sue. Um, As I say. Yes. Um, okay, so, before we get into the deep stuff, yeah. can we talk a little bit about the comedy? Because there was some good comedy. In okay, I want to hear it because I maybe have forgotten. Are you, yeah, see, <laughs> you're not happy. You're not happy at all. But I no. thought there was some actually like... Please good, remind me. Good comedy. Like, oh, Lavinia carried the comedy again. Lavinia carrying the weight. She was great. The bit where she talks about where they're trying to decide what play and it's like Taming of the Shrew. Oh, yeah. And then Emily says, like, like why would anyone ever relate to that? Yeah, and Lavinia's like stupid garbage play. She's like, oh, how could anyone, you know, like, <laughs> waiting for their older sister to get married. And you kind of feel bad for to, for, to Lavinia for that. Yeah. And also the bit Always. where there's the joke about the beast with two backs. Oh, yes. And everyone's laughing and Lavinia's like, <laughs> like what? Ha, 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 ha. And she's like, ha, 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 ha. What does it mean? What? I love I, that. I will also give a bit of comedy to, is it Jane? Is she the mean girl of Amherst? Yeah. Is she the Regina George of Amherst? She is the Regina George <laughs> where, of Amherst. Where, like, right? but where uh, she's like, 
I disagree that Othello is black. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it makes no... And it's such a like, what I love about that line is it's such like something you... Well, it's... It's the kind of thing white people do say sometimes. I was going to say, it's people like, talking about Jesus. Yeah. They're like, like, I disagree, he's white. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I just, it's exactly, it's, such, it's well observed. That, yeah, that particular... Yeah. That was good. That was yeah. a good little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than that, even, I feel like even Jane Krakowski wasn't given much in terms of comedy. Other than... <laughs> At the, the very bit, beginning. In the very beginning, yeah. where she walks in a way that made me laugh. <laughs> Dear yeah. God, no words, just like walked in the background and I laughed. Because it was great though, because it's like for the listeners who maybe don't have an Apple Plus subscription, it was so funny, like, um, what's it, Mr. Dickinson saying like, oh, if I was a woman, I wouldn't get married. And yeah, just, she just, just walks. Mrs. Dickinson's reaction to this. Her walking reaction yeah. is A+. Plus. My God, Jane Krakowski, you deserve everything. <laughs> But as I said, like I'm totally in previous episodes, I've said how I'm totally on Mrs. Dickinson's side, and what a slap in the face to have the husband that you like. Yeah, spend yeah. All your time looking after and him being like, I wouldn't want to be a wife. <laughs> <laughs> Men sure are terrible. Yeah. Keep cleaning. <laughs> God. God. And then she's like knocking over the <laughs> candlesticks. <laughs> Don't encourage her. <laughs> oh, oh okay. I love it. Any other bits of comedy? Um, um, there's I, the montage where they go through the different yeah, Shakespeare scenes. Yeah, that was nice. That was a montage that worked for me. The montage yeah. in the previous episode where Emily... Clothes. No, no, no. Emily hangs out in front of the general store with like a rock song oh, playing. so boring. I was like, why is this... Not every episode needs a montage, guys. No. Sorry. Also, like, she's standing in front of the store and she's supposed to be like quirky but yeah her quirk it. amounts to her putting a book on her head yeah i was like oh so interesting yeah so rebel so okay so the the shakespeare stuff as far as like the montage of the different plays that was fun yeah um did they think they were going to get laughs out of austin in the dress i couldn't i couldn't tell what that bit of comedy was i, I didn't think it was supposed to be funny what what I think about that is that it has to be said in real life, Emily's brother Austin mm-hmm. was someone she had a really good relationship with mm-hmm. that she looked up to mm-hmm. and that she admired. She had a big falling out with him okay. in later life. Okay. But I feel like at the age they're supposed to be now, in reality, she was quite close to him. Right. Um, and I think people forget that Emily, in reality, Emily wasn't the only radical member of her family. Right. You know, like, I yeah. think all of the members of the family were quite liberal and quite mm. quite free-minded sure. at the time. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that it's kind of a thing to remind us that, yeah, Austin might not be, like, the brightest bulb in the drawer, mm. but he, that doesn't mean that he lacks imagination or has, like, a lack of... Um, Right. How to like liberal sure. thinking or like. Brightest bulb in the drawer. Well, because you know, when you go in the drawer to replace a bulb and you're looking for. Okay. Okay. Maybe it's just like a thing. Sure. Okay. Uh, but I mean, it was also, I guess, the, the thing of him like really feeling the character of Desdemona, which was a bit of comedy that I didn't totally. No. Yeah, like, it didn't totally is this an land. Effort to make him appear more. Queer or gender fluid in a way that... Or just sort of an innocent doof. Yeah. Like, just sort of... Uh, I, don't I don't know. know. Austin's character is a bit... Yeah. All over the place. I feel like that's kind of everyone. With yeah. the exception of Lavinia, who is reduced to... <laughs> when is she going to get married? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay. But that adds to the comedy of, yeah. of Mrs. Dickinson, because oh, she's like the only smart person in a household of idiots. Just buffoons. <laughs> she's like living, <laughs> she's like really put upon the middle-aged woman. The, like <laughs> The reason why we haven't seen the cat pillow is because she's just locked it in a closet so she can scream in it <laughs> every night. Just, no! Um, she puts it between her teeth and just <laughs> lets Mr. Dickinson have his way with her. <laughs> Close your eyes and think of the cat pillow. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, well, that's, that's some of the lighter elements of yeah. the episode. The rest of the episode was, I don't want to use the word deep. I want to use the word troubled. Right. It was because, very... Mm, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just thinking, like, deep, deep in 
Deep kind of still gives a uh, suggestion of reflection, whereas this episode seemed very turbulent and like not yeah. really. I w- didn't seem to know exactly what it was, where it was going. I was going to use the word jumbled, but Jumb- jumbled yeah. doesn't convey like the like turbulent, like uh, some that that image I, when of I, when I say troubled, I mean like troubled water. Like right. Yes, very, yes. Yeah. I think turbulence. Like, yeah. 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 And I feel like that was it was full of mixed messages. Like, um, mm. maybe that's the intelligence of it. Like, there is something to be passed here, like, to, right, be, to right, be picked apart. Right. Um, and I think we should start with, mm. actually, the relationship between Emily and Henry. Sure. Because I feel like a lot of the episode actually hinged on Emily's perceptions of Henry. Right. Uh, and her perceptions of herself. Right. And Henry's piercing of that. Mm-hmm. And piercing her perceptions Right. Of I feel like the show was built around that confrontation. Yeah. Was like the episode was built around that moment of him calling out her comfortable life. Yes, that is what it was, and everything else was sort of written to have that confrontation. Yeah, everything is building to that because she sees herself. I think the thing is, is that Emily she does Othello and she loves the play, mm-hmm. and I think that she, I mean it's very prob- problematic. She she constantly says that Henry's the best person to play Othello, right. but the only basis she makes that on is that mm-hmm. he's black. Like right. she yes. doesn't know that he's good at the play mm-hmm. or at speaking or mm-hmm. acting or anything like that. She's like, oh, a black man. Yeah. Therefore, because he's black, yeah. he must be able to be Othello. Play this role. More authentically than anyone else. Weird, or not weird, but like then this coded queer Asian man. Yeah, it's so strange. Mm. And she's also kind of leveraging his vulnerability right. to get yes. that. Yes, she, I think that... That moment where she says, like, it'll let you stay in the house and you'll be safe. Yeah. Is the, the grossest that we've seen her behave. Yeah. It seems like she thinks she's doing a good thing for him. Mm-hmm. And she thinks she's so enlightened. And she's mm-hmm. like, let's do Othello. And she mm-hmm. she looks down her nose at all of the other Amherst people. Right. Very much in the vein of, like, you guys aren't oppressed and you don't understand this play. Right. But I'm oppressed and I understand this play. But at the same time, like, while she's doing that, she's basically engaging in the worst behavior mm-hmm. of of the show so far. Of the show so yeah. far, and of the white Americans of her time mm-hmm. in basically manipulating and controlling right. a black person to gratify her. Right, and of white people nowadays, yeah, who will potentially use people of color for their own aims. But then you have the issue of the show itself doing what it's doing, yeah, which and, mm. is the trouble territory that I'm hesitant to like vocalize. Well, this is the thing, I couldn't tell if we were meant to look at Emily and understand that she was wrong right. in what she was doing, or whether we were supposed to be watching it and being like, Emily's really enlightened. Right. And she's right, but all the other Amherst people are wrong. And mm. Up like, until that confrontation? Up until that confrontation. Okay, yeah. okay. Like I, I feel like also it's not clear enough that what she's doing is out outrageous really right i guess that kind of makes sense for the time but yeah the the show's use because you you said something really telling you said um oh like you didn't say this exactly but when we were watching you said about how the show there's only seems to be black characters in this show when they want them for a specific yeah to have that effect yes and okay fine let's just go into it because like i think what it did was really problematic because it is just sort of using this black character, using the the figure of Henry to sort of tell Emily Dickinson that she's wrong because she has um, seen him only as a black person so Mm. that she can use him to like get her own ends Mm. and like have this sort of oppression. But then you have the issue of the fact that the show has not really given this character any depth beyond occasionally showing up to be a black person within the context of the show. Right. And like, it's this tricky push and pull because I guess the show isn't about them. Yeah. But like, the show's doing the thing that it's calling Emily out on. Yeah, exactly. And like, is that... (laughs) What? Like, what's the point? I don't... It's quite difficult to know exactly where the line is. 
Right. Uh, and that's true, exactly what you say. Like, Emily is using Henry for Othello. And right. the show is using the actor playing Henry right. for their own storyline. Right. They have at least a... shown him before, but he had, like, one line. Yes, yeah. I, I remember him conveying a bit of character because he's like, oh, are you sure you need all this stuff for a one-night trip or something? Like, trying to give him a personality beyond black person on the show. Yeah. Similar to how you wanted to see the oak tree in a previous episode, at least they, like, set some foundation with him. Yes. But it's still him only in the context of being a black person. And also that... um, Well, no, I I think you're articulating it perfectly, really. Like, (sighs) it is problematic. Um, I'm sure they didn't mean for it to be so. Right. And also, I think we have to bear in mind as well that this is a show about 19th century New England. Right. And there were plenty of black people in 19th century New England. Mm -hmm. But would Emily Dickinson have really seen that many black people in her daily life? And were that many black people around her Mm -hmm. and in her household? We don't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I don't know. Maybe some other wiser people do. Yes. But like, um, you know, it might be the case that actually the reason there aren't that many black Mm. cast members is Mm -hmm. because... There weren't that many right. black people. Uh, but yes. we have a half Japanese guy, or like a Japanese guy here on the show. Correct. Right? He's like, my father's in Japan. He was yeah. a samurai, you know? Yeah. And it's like, is that accurate to right. Which, 1800s Amherst? Please let us know. Yeah, if, if, you, if it was. <laughs> email us, because hey, yeah. that would be a fascinating Yeah, I would to love know. to read about that and read that email. Um, but then we also, like... Oh, so I was actually thinking about what you had said in a previous recording, where you compared the show... To Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Right. The Melissa Joan Hart one. Yeah. And I think there's actually a lot of wisdom in that. And maybe I'm trying to, like, put too much maturity into this show than there actually is. Because Sabrina the Teenage Witch has a certain amount of immaturity to it. It's a Mm. show for teenagers. Yeah. It is a show for people who are still growing up. And so when you bring up the question of, are we supposed to identify with what Emily is doing in this, I think maybe the target audience of the show is supposed to like think she's doing the right thing until that confrontation. Maybe we're supposed to be led along that path and then surprised when it happens. I mean, it's fascinating that um, if we're we're thinking like that, and of course we're both kind of (laughs) way above that age at this point. I'm 31. (laughs) 26 here. And hanging out. (laughs) Recording a show, <laughs> recording a podcast, it's fine. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> come on. Okay, All anyway, besides the, point, besides the point. Um, I feel like, in a way, if we're looking at it in that sense, the show makes much more right. logical sense in yes. that. Yes, yes. And also, interestingly, I feel like it's a show that Emily Dickinson, aka the OG Emily Dickinson. Okay, OG Edicts. Yeah, would actually kind of... A, Prove of sure. It's a, in that sense, it's almost an educational show. Yeah, no, it is. It is. Um, it's it's sort of taking these contemporary issues that we are facing, whether it's race relations within America, yeah, and uh, environmentalism, queerness, and sort of taking them out, breaking them down into like easily understood concepts for people who are younger, mm. and then presenting it to them with like this quasi-punk rock aesthetic. So, like, it makes a lot of sense if you view it that way. The problem is when you look at it as an adult. Then it's very difficult. Right. And there's a few things that muddy the waters. Like, um, one of the things is that Emily incorrectly assumes that because Henry is black, he can play Othello well. Right. And that it will be more authentic that way. Right. And the show validates that by Mm. having him Mm. actually perform Mm -hmm. Othello and be great. And be good at it and be great. And people being like, wow, that was really moving. You right. know? And the show wants to tell us that Henry's performance of Othello is so authentic because he understands right. Othello's pain as being right. a black man in you know, middle ages in Spain. Right. I'm not sure how that would work. Because the monologue that he, he's discussing is about like concern for his wife and her like happiness. So I guess... Yeah. I mean, this is where we come to the actual play Othello, and what right, I think... Right. Um, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead, no, go ahead. What I think is really great about mm-hmm. the episode is that it does effectively tie into the play, because uh, there's, kind of two, there's kind of two or three strands, right, in the play. There's 
sexual fidelity, which is the one that I think Sue is mm-hmm. in, is having a hard time with, not by her own volition, but the idea that a lot of the pain in Othello, the play, is about the risk of Desdemona being raped yeah. in a way, mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And Sue is being... It is heavily implied, implied that, that Sue she, is being raped. That's like, it's, <laughs> like, it's kind of implied, The right? show seems afraid to name it. But but it's implied. <laughs> it is, yeah. And then, so that in that aspect, in that sense, Sue, even though Austin dresses up as Desdemona, mm-hmm. Sue is Desdemona mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. situation. Right. Um, and also, the play Othello is very concerned with both race and marriage. Right. And the episode of Dickinson today mm-hmm. is very concerned with both race, race and, and marriage. marriage. Yes. And so there's this sense of like parallels being drawn mm. between the texts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not convinced that the characters effectively step into the roles of Shakespeare characters. Right. It's interesting that Iago is the character Emily chooses. The villain. The villain. And in this episode... Is the villain. She kind of is the villain without realising it. And she's also the mastermind, right? Right. Because... Well, because... Sorry. No, no, go on. Right, because she says, like, well, he's also the main character. Right. There's an egoism involved in her choosing him, but also without realising that he is, in fact, the bad person. And when the other, other... uh, characters are saying lines. Mm-hmm. There's a bit where she's like looking around the room and she's bored. Yeah. They're talking, they're yeah. doing the Shakespeare mm-hmm. and she's like, oh, this is so boring. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. You know, um, which reflects the fact that Emily in the show seems to be quite egotistical. Yes. And quite self-absorbed. Yes. Uh, I think that also the other characters say like, oh, Emily, you're on a power trip. Like you're right. using this as an opportunity to tell us what to do and boss us around. Right. And it goes back to like, Emily is Iago because she's a mastermind. Right. And she wants to have the power mm-hmm. and she wants to be making decisions about mm-hmm. people. And then she tells George off for going behind her back. Right. And trying to mastermind her. Right. So it's like everyone in the episode, with the possible exception of Mrs. Dickinson <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Lavinia, Lavinia. is... An asshole who is right. a hypocrite. Yes. They're all the main Henry. characters. Henry's, I was like the main characters yeah. of the show. The main characters of the show are yes. all yes, yes, yes. hypocrites, right? right? Yeah. Like even Austin, because Austin steps in to be Desdemona, mm-hmm. but isn't he kind of pushing Sue to be Desdemona by being like, you, you have to marry me? Right. And then... Well, he's also doing it for egoism so that he can like indulge himself yeah. in his feelings and like present them to others. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, there's so many layers. There was something else that I was thinking about in what you were saying with her. Oh, okay. So I'm not as familiar with Othello. It's true that, like, in the context of the play, Othello outranks Iago, right? Like, that's where the power trip comes from, is because Iago doesn't have power and Othello does. Yes, Othello is in a position of trusted authority. Right. And that's why he's able to marry. Right. Desdemona. Right. And so Iago's scheming comes from a desire to have the power. Yeah. Right. Okay. Got it. Because I was just trying to imagine why that was happening. And I guess then you get into like the George Mr. Dickinson thing of like which one has the power. Oh. I thought Mr. Dickinson's character actually came across quite well and quite mm-hmm. badly. Mm. Quite well in that he seems angry at the idea that another man would assume that he could make decisions for Emily. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Dickinson seems like determined to actually give Emily a choice. Right, yeah. Like when he's talking to Mrs. Dickinson outside and she's like, oh, you just let him go. Like you you just give him, give her to him in terms of the marriage. And right. Mr. Dickinson says, it's not your choice. Yeah. And you can read that in two ways. It can either be mean that he's saying, it's my choice and mm-hmm. it's not your choice. Right. Or that he's saying, it's not our choice. Right. It's Emily's choice. Right. And it really depends how you interpret his character because it could be right. either one. I took it as the latter, not the former, as in like, he isn't making, he isn't going to make that decision either. Right. Mm. Mm. And he's angry that George asks him and doesn't mm-hmm. speak to Emily, right? Right. He's like, Oh, I assume you spoke to Emily about this. And right. when George is like, no, he's clearly unimpressed and his body language reflects that. Yeah. Um, but then Mrs. Dickinson, but that's the good point of Mr. Dickinson in the episode. Yeah. But the bad point is that he's the husband of Mrs. Dickinson. Right. And he should probably consider her perspective a bit more. And when she's like, 
oh, you know, this is like one of the only opportunities we're going to get to marry Emily off. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess it's the historian in me, but I'm just like, I understand why people in their, pers- in their prospective times thought right. the way they did. Right. And it's not unreasonable. Mm-hmm. It's unreasonable by today's standards. Sure. For Mrs. Dickinson to be like, she has to get married. Right. But for 1800s New England, mm-hmm. maybe it's not that unreasonable for Mrs. Dickinson to be like, uh, she should probably get married. And... Right, because she's theoretically looking out for her children. Yeah, and, she's like, thinking... Providing security for them. Yeah, and she makes the point in an earlier episode where she's like, everything we have comes from your father. Right. If your father dies, we have... Nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And having you married to someone else means that when your father dies... You'll be... Safe. Provided for. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like... Because of the structure of society. Yeah. Yes. So I'm not saying that Mr. Dickinson's right. I guess what I mean is, like, Mr. Dickinson doesn't seem to stand by his wife at all. Mm, and he did no. say that thing about her, about like, I would never I be, a, be wife. a wife. No, yeah. I think he's actually, like, she has routinely called him out for, like, indulging in Emily. Yeah. And yet he has done nothing to, like, show any sort of real respect to his wife. No. So. So everyone in the episode was bad. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yep. I mean, except having, for Lavinia. Except for Lavinia, who's just dumb. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does, isn't that a lesson to all of us? I know. <laughs> Maybe if we were all just dumber, like, the world would be a like, better place. You're either a selfish jerk or you're dumb. It's actually, this is a complete side thing now, mm. which we might edit out. Mm. But um, I remember, like, uh, a lot of people often say that the world's problems are because everyone is too stupid and that if we just listen to experts and we had more intelligent people. Like, a lot of really intelligent people like to say things like, oh, if everyone was as smart as me, then the world would be a much better place. Sure. But uh, I always think about... I mean, something slightly egotistical in that statement. Exactly, yes. Um, But Lao Tzu always says that, like, um, the smarter people are, the more grotesque their works. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's like, if everyone had plain and simple minds, Mm -hmm. then the world's problems would be plain and simple. Mm. And I think that that's like something that we need to reflect on in the modern age. And like, obviously we want intelligent solutions to our problems, but also like when you look at the inequality in the world, a lot Mm -hmm. of it is caused by the people Mm -hmm. at the top. Of course. Yeah. Um, Well, and what we have come to view as success or like as intelligence is because of the system under which we live. Yeah, which has a lot to do with achievement and right. accruing right. things. Exactly. Yeah. And so that is not necessarily a sign of goodness, but rather of succeeding within the system that we have built for ourselves. True. So I would agree with Lao Tzu in this situation. That he was a pretty legit guy. Mm. He would like Emily. <laughs> not this <laughs> Emily, only, but If like only they could have written the, to the each OG other. Edicts OG he edicts. Liked. Yeah. No, well, I think, like, there is... Uh, this is a massive digression, isn't it? That's yeah. okay. No, it's it's very true that, like, I, I to fold it back in, like, what I wish... What would have increased my esteem for this episode a hundred times over is if at the very end, Henry played the fucking piano. Yeah. Because there is something about... The fact that the Dickinsons have this piano in their house and we've never seen them really play it. Mm. We have seen Lavinia play the harp and that is it. But if you brought this guy in, he tunes the piano, he has this confrontation with this girl about all the comforts in her life, he's able to read Shakespeare, he's able to perform it, and then he plays the piano Mm. by himself alone in this house. I think that would have redeemed some elements of the episode and just sort of left it a little more graceful Yes, because it's about there's like so much pushing him to containing himself for these people. He has to stay in the house for safety's sake or he doesn't want to go downtown. Like, and he has to perform in a particular way exactly. that Emily wants of him. And yet he has these abilities that sort of would have peaked through the episode. Yeah, And to end on that moment of just it's not about her writing the poem. Mm. It's about somebody else expressing something else that they have to keep hidden as well. And it's even more like crushing than Emily. Yeah. And I think if they had done that, I would have liked what the episode was trying to do better. 
I don't think it would have redeemed a lot of the stuff that led to it, but I think mm. that moment, because I just thought that the soundtrack in that was so overpowering. Yeah, it was too much Yeah, really. To the point where you couldn't even really hear the poem that was being right. recited. Yeah. Like, because we were both like, what's that? What, what yeah. word is that? We don't know. And You're right, like, it would have been much better to have his yeah. expression at the end of like, that. To end the episode on him and not her. But, you know, that relates to the previous episode, because I, yes. I felt like the previous episode was the weakest one so far. Interesting. That's what my feeling is, anyway. Mm. Um, but one thing she says to Thoreau in the previous episode is, if you wrote poems that you didn't, mm -hmm. that never got read, right. uh, you would feel lonely. Right. Um, or, like, you would... What was it? She says, like, uh, you don't understand what it's like to mm -hmm. write poems that no one ever hears. Right. And Emily draws this distinction of, like, Thoreau not being able to see her perspective or understand her because mm -hmm. he's all about the show and the public life of it, whereas her poems never get kind of released and she has to suffocate right. with just herself and her art right. and no one else is there. Right. Uh, but she fails to recognize another artistic spirit mm -hmm. in Henry. Mm -hmm. So like Henry does understand what it's mm -hmm. like to have those skills right. and to be trapped in a system where he cannot express it. Express them. Like, yeah. And we do see a bit of that because when Maggie the maid is like, oh, the, the piano needs tuning, but I guess you can't do that. And he's mm -hmm. like, actually, yeah. I can do that. Yeah. And she's like, oh, you know, she's like, so everyone's Ex like, what? Except she's like, air! Because <laughs> <laughs> she's Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like, I love it. Have you watched Father Ted? No. Oh my gosh, we have to watch Father Ted sometime. Okay. Well, we'll season three. Yeah. Okay, move <laughs> um, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, like, he, he is exactly the same as Emily in that respect, in that he is an artistic soul who, because of his position in life, cannot express that. Right, right. And she goes through all this time criticising Thoreau, mm -hmm. and then she herself fails to see right. in another person yeah. that there's someone else who's also having the same suffering as her. Right. And she makes it worse by compounding that. Right. And then almost, again, to sort of pull it out into the metatextual side of things, the show misses the opportunity to show that. Yeah. Like, they do it in the context of Shakespeare, which is what Emily wants him to do. Yeah. And not giving him... Any of his own expression. An independent expression freed from what either Emily or the show or both want him to do. Because it would have been better if instead of reading the Othello monologue, right. he had like produced something yeah. beautiful but... Right, not in original. line with what yeah. she wanted. Exactly. Yes. And I, I always, I'm always hesitant to sort of critique a show based on what I wish it had done instead of what it gave me. I know, but I think yeah. this is building to that. But and it doesn't, it doesn't do it. Because he could have read, like, he could have ironically, ironically read a passage of Iago's. Or, that, or, 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 or he could have read Othello and not been very good at it. Yeah. Which would have also made a point. Yes. You know, which is that, Emily, just because I'm black <laughs> right. doesn't mean that I'm going to be good at Othello. You right. Know? Um, so the, the whole point of what it's trying to say is just muddled because the show yeah. is doing exactly what Emily is doing and not really identifying it within itself or articulating it in a way that is more. Yeah. I mean, do you, mm. after having discussed the show, mm -hmm. do you think that we have redeemed it a bit more by trying to clarify what its message was or trying to explore the relationships a bit more between the characters? This specific episode? Yeah, let's not talk about the show generally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's just talk about this episode. Do I you think... think we've managed to redeem it at all? Because mm. I think with reflection, mm -hmm. it's better than my first impression. Yes, I would agree. I still think it's muddled to the point where like, that, that moment with Emily and Henry where he calls her out lands, but the show was always going to land that. Right. That was the point. And to not engage with it, because ultimately that's still about Emily. Yeah. Like it's all about Emily. Yeah. And to have done that, and failed to see ways of giving anyone else outside of her orbit an independent life mm. makes me not like it. Yeah. Because the show doesn't quite have the ability to like see beyond the criticism of the character of Emily that they have built for themselves. And it's very easy to build a character to critique. It's, yeah. It seems very much to be a show about a white teenage girl mm -hmm. written mm -hmm. by a white teenage girl. 
Sure. In that okay. the person writing it didn't seem to really grasp the mm, further. I see. I see. They, the, like, they grasped Emily's character. Mm-hmm. They didn't grasp Henry's character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they had an understanding of Emily feels this way in this situation. Right. And this is the thing she has to learn. Right. But they themselves didn't know what they didn't know. Yes. If yeah, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So they didn't, yeah. they couldn't, inc- <laughs> they couldn't include right. Henry's real. Yes. Thing. I mean, maybe we're no. both white, so yes. we can't really. We can't really. Also, we are not aware of what we don't know. Correct. Um, so there's, you know, mm. to a black audience, there would be so much. Maybe there would be so much more that mm. they could get out of it mm-hmm. and understand of that mm-hmm. dynamic that we're mm-hmm. missing. Mm-hmm. I think there was so many good. Like, I feel like the whole show, every episode so far, every episode has like good elements. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And there's always seems to be some thoughts about Mm -hmm. themes, character arcs, like Mm -hmm. all of these things, they just never mesh well (laughs) together to make something that holds together Mm -hmm. and is streamlined. Like in the first episode we said, or you said that it was like a high school theater company Mm -hmm. and it still feels like that. I stand by that statement. I think for me, there have been things that have come close and have been really interesting, but like episodes as a whole, don't quite click. So, oh my God. Okay, this is a mild tangent, but um, so there was a show, a scripted show on Lifetime that I watched called Unreal. It's first season is pretty good. It is about a bachelor style reality show and the people who run the show, like the producers and everything. And it's sort of about the like psychological manipulations that go into the show. Mm. Um, And so the first season is like fun trash. I enjoyed it. There were certain elements of like interesting psychology where like one of the producers is very good at like manipulating people and like they talk about how her her ability is also her like psychological disease. Right. Like it's a problem. First season is fun. Second season, they decide to engage with race issues in America, contemporary, and this is in 2012, I believe. Right. The first season was run co-run by a woman who had worked on The Bachelor and a woman who had been on Buffy and Mad Men. When they decided season two was going to focus on race relations, the woman who had worked on Buffy and Mad Men quit because she was like, I don't know enough right. to comment on this and they have decided that that's what they want to do, so I'm going to leave. Yeah. And the show became a complete train wreck because at one point they have the whole police shoot it was it was awful yeah and it just it was the exact thing that you're saying about they just didn't know what they didn't know and that's kind of what the show is doing here where they just wanted to engage with the issue of race and they had a way they had an angle that was intelligent yeah they just missed the wider spectrum this was better than season two of unreal but but it it still had the same problems yeah yeah it's funny, like, um, for a show that, that's predominantly written by white people that did, did that well, mm-hmm. um, like, you said about how the whole police shooting thing, like, uh, The Good Wife okay. is quite an old, not mm. an old show, like, but it's relatively old now because it began back in 2008 or four. I don't know. It's like... <laughs> two very different years. <laughs> <laughs> well, it began, like, way back when. I know. <laughs> back when people still had 90s haircuts anyway, um, some oh of the God. time. Um, but like that show is a show all about white people mm-hmm. um, living in Chicago, being lawyers. But it has a lot of commentary on race issues. Mm. They handle it really well and really mm. intelligently. Okay. So it's not impossible for white writers to no. to write something intelligent. Right. But the thing about that when you watch it is like um, when they're commenting on race, they're always being very clear that right. they don't know stuff or like they don't right. have all the information. Right. It's always white characters reacting to mm-hmm. race right. relations and reacting right. to cruelties directed at black people. Right. Um, yeah. To actually write from a black person's perspective mm-hmm. requires, surprisingly enough, right. a black person most of the time. Well, and also an understanding that like one black person doesn't necessarily represent yeah. anything beyond their personal experience. And also, I, I was listening to uh, a podcast with a black woman who had written a YA novel. Mm. And it was just about like a normal woman's 
like a, a young woman's experience growing up somewhere in California, I believe. Mm. Um, and she would go to these book tours and at every single event, someone would ask, why didn't racism feature more prominently in the book? And her response was, because she just got tired of answering the question, was like, racism isn't the most interesting thing that happens to black people. Yeah. Because ultimately that's about a white person's experience and their feelings about that black person. Mm. And like, yes, this is Emily's show. Yes, this is about the character of Emily Dickinson within the context of the show. But to neglect to really engage with that character's life outside of the context of Emily Dickinson, I think is the big failing of the episode. Right, yeah. Or even just to, yeah, just to acknowledge that he, he had more to offer than just what Emily framed yeah. him as yeah. or like what Emily yes. expected of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like, I don't know how much of that is that we're supposed to learn that lesson with Emily. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that that was the intention <laughs> in that. It just doesn't quite so. transmit right. clearly. Like yeah. it could have been cleaner. It could have been yeah. more, we could have seen it a bit more from that mm-hmm. way. Right. Um, I like that you think that it's more like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Because when I said that last time, you were like, what? Well, then, yeah. <laughs> you're like, now you're regretting it. Well, now, because now I'm thinking about it and just thinking, like, the way it packages these things yeah. is, I think the show that I wish this was and the show that it very aggressively is are different. different yeah. And I think that gap, again, is just there. Yeah. Like, but that's interesting because it's an Apple Plus subscription sure. show. Sure. And what teenager out there has a credit card and is going to subscribe to... They're not, but their parents are going to be watching the other things on the show and like... But there's no other children's TV shows on Apple Plus, so I'm just like, is it, mm, is yeah. it really aimed at them? Like, what's the programming? Right. What's the... I'd be really interested to know... <laughs> it's out there just for Lin-Manuel Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, Lin, hey! <laughs> I love your work. I hope you liked my Eliza Hamilton shout out earlier. <laughs> Come on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get an email from fucking Lin-Manuel Miranda. I think we're going to get a season desist letter from Apple. <laughs> I know. Please stop. Please stop discussing our show. <laughs> we're not doing it any favors. <laughs> no, to be fair, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying watching them. Just, I'm enjoying discussing it. them. But yeah. Yeah. But man, the show itself. Okay. So, yes, wait, who is the show for then, in your mind? In, in my mind, I think the show, I think the show's for college students. Mm, sure, that's I can what, see that. That's what yeah. I think is yeah. the, I think it's for like yeah. lit majors who are, <laughs> who are like, Emily, Emily who? <laughs> like, you know, what? Emily Dickinson? Would I have enjoyed this in college? Because that was 10 years ago. You know, I can imagine this being a show that me and my... Because I was an ancient history student. Sure. And, like, I can imagine me and the other history buffs sat mm-hmm. around quite enjoying mm-hmm. watching this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd pick it to shreds like we are now. Yeah. But I think we would have less perspective to do so, from which mm. to do so. Mm-hmm. And we would enjoy the comedy sure. more. Sure. Um, and I think that we would relate more to Emily because I think I don't relate to Emily... And I think the reason I don't relate to the character of Emily is because, and the reason I relate to Mrs. Dickinson <laughs> is because I'm a school teacher and I have 30 <laughs> children that I look after. And when I'm in front of them, I have to be mother hen, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and so that's why I'm like, shut the fuck up and fetch the water. <laughs> you know, like, you were going to bake your father some damn bread. Sometimes when I'm in class, I can be really mean. Today I was like, you, you. You, this girl at the front was like, what? I'm like, you. She looks at me, I was like, clean the board. <laughs> She's like, ah. Okay, Mr. Benjamin, no. I'll clean the board. Ah. <laughs> oh, no. But yeah, no, I think like, yeah, I wonder now if I'm just too old. <laughs> oh, well, no. it's like all Please. of these sort of like rebellious characters, I'm always afraid to revisit them because my perspective on them has changed. I mean, it's like, interesting you mentioned Buffy earlier because I recently mm. rewatched some episodes from season one of Buffy. Oh, well, season one is almost unwatchable. No, but I've also, a little bit before that, I watched some episodes from season five, which I think is the best season of Buffy. Okay, we can discuss this off record. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was watching, like, and I was thinking, like, ah, I thought this would be, like, ageless, but the timeless but it's not no. like it's dated like yeah, it's quite dated and the way they speak and everything like i know that at the time it was revolutionary but i was mm. watching it and i was like mm. Mm. 
Like, the characters also haven't really... There's not many black people in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, There's the principal in season seven. It's like one. I know. (laughs) Wait, there's... Kendra. There's there's Kendra, the Vampire Slayer, whatever the fuck that accent was. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So, like, in a show of seven seasons, you get, what, like, two Two or three I think there were some uh, potentials who were also... Black or, or, you know... Women of color. Mixed race or whatever, but... No. 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 Not great. Not a great run, guys. No, Joss Whedon. Also, yeah. Well, anyway. Yep. Anyway. So, uh, um, kitty count. Kitty count. <laughs> no, wait. But, uh, oh, yeah. First, first kitty count and then loaves of bread. Wait. Should we read the poem from this episode? Oh, that's true. We yes, should. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, let's, okay. Let's uh, I had Googled it earlier. Okay. Shall I read it? Yeah, go on. Okay. I am afraid to own a body. I am afraid to own a soul. Profound, precarious property. Possession, not optional. Double estate. Entailed at pleasure upon an unsuspecting error. Duke in a moment of deathlessness and God for a frontier. Okay, I need to see that written down to like really yeah. get into that. Um, yeah, I am starting to enjoy Emily Dickinson's poems a lot more. Yeah, I, that's true. Because this yeah. one looks like it's a good one as well. This is a good one. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I think about is Duke in, Duke in a moment of deathlessness. Yeah. Is that Wiz Khalifa? <laughs> <laughs> Where's my death? Yeah. Yeah, just entailed at pleasure upon an unsuspecting heir. Duke in a moment of deathlessness and God for a frontier. Does that link to Othello as well? Who is, who is Desdemona? Who's Desdemona's father? Is he the Duke of some place or is he i don't know i don't know enough about othello is it about inheritance as well oh there's so many levels to this episode like again so close to making it all click guys yeah like that's it isn't it so close but so Uh, far yeah Yeah. oh he's a moorish general in the venetian army he's a yes Oh, so it's, sorry, it's Italy, not Spain, right? I got that mixed up. That was a good poem. Good I poem. wish that we had more time to discuss it. Yes. But I think that we this have gone through the episode. episode. Yes. yes. Um, so, yes. Uh, what was it? Kitty count first. Kitty count. Sadly. Continued. Zero. Zero. Does that cat even exist anymore? <laughs> like, I feel like it's it such a dead. central part. <laughs> might be dead. It's crawled into the bird's nest and just... <laughs> just like, yeah. <laughs> Or, or Mrs. Dickinson is like, <laughs> skinned it. <laughs> That's what she's screaming into. It's just the carcass of the, the, the skin of the cat. All um, right. Okay. And loaves of bread. Loaves of bread. Hmm. <sighs> oh, no, sidebar. There's yes. one more thing I wanted to say. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You mentioned about Emily and the piano and yeah. no one playing it. Yeah. But I was reading Letters Today and... Emily Dickinson loved her piano. Okay. She played it all the time. That's just nice. for the record. And I wish Good. that we had seen that a bit more so far. Um, and but I wish that she would sing her poems to the theme of Amazing Grace. <laughs> or Gilligan's Island. Or Gilligan's Island while playing it on the piano. Oh, no. <laughs> all right. Um, okay, Loaves of Bread. I'm going to give this like five. I think it was a definite step down. I want to give it more credit for ambition sake mm. but the messiness of it makes me not want to mm. yes see I think that I am in agreement with you because I'm gonna give it six loaves of bread sure which is the first time that I've yeah. given it a higher yeah. score than you I liked this episode more than I liked the previous one mm-hmm. because for me the worst sin is boredom <laughs> yeah. like if it's boring fair like I can't at fair. least this episode was not boring that's like, true it had a lot of, and as you said, ambition. Like, there's a lot of ambition yeah. to tell good stories in right, the episode. Right. Individual characters had good moments. Mm-hmm. Especially, I have to say, like, the strongest stuff is all the background characters. Yes. All the smaller Amherstians. Right. Who sure. are, like, running around doing sure. stuff. Their little lines are always interesting and, mm. like, playful. <laughs> Jane. Jane. I, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree that he was black. Like, <laughs> okay. Um, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think in, for individual elements, I'm going to give it six loaves. Okay. But yeah. it was a turbulent and troubled mm-hmm. and problematic episode. Yes. And 
I hope that things improve. I have to say episode three has been the highlight so far for me. It's funny because looking back, I would agree. And I had initially graded that very low. Yeah. And now I'm like, oops, I was wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Did we hit the peak? (laughs) I know we were both like, it's going to get better. And it didn't. (laughs) No. No. Decidedly. Okay. Well, everyone, thank you for sitting for a long time. Or doing dishes for a long time. (laughs) And listening to our views on this episode. We hope that you're watching along with us. Yes. Um, And if you're not, we hope that it's entertaining to listen to us anyway. Mm. Um, We love to learn more about Emily Dickinson. Yes. So if you have anything you want to share or know anything interesting that you'd like us to know, Mm -hmm. please write to us at edicts.com on edicts edicts on edicts at gmail.com all lowercase all lowercase uh, and just let us know mm-hmm. um, we love to hear from you yes yep. alright thanks okay. for listening bye